Quest Community Church, living life as friends with faith through knowing God, loving others, and making a difference. And now let me introduce uh, Jeremy Shelley, our youth and teaching pastor. I just want to call you teaching pastor because you're so stinking important in this process. Thank you very much. He's got a great message for us this morning. Thank you, Ross. Oh, it's good to be here. How are you guys doing this morning? Good. Yeah, I want to hear you talk. It's okay to talk today if you want to. I know last week Dusty was like, don't say a word when I'm talking. But this week you can talk. It's okay. Um, so, now I, I'm, I'm excited to be here. And, and you'll notice in your bulletin um, the title of my sermon. Uh, you probably already noticed what I think about church. And um, and so I have a, I have a lot of work to do, uh, a lot of hard work to do today so I don't bore you out of your mind. I know I've set myself up uh, in this trap of, um, you know, not being boring. So I'm going to try my hardest this morning uh, to, to be exciting, to have energy, and uh, to really just share the Word of God um, as He's given it to me. But I want to pray uh, just as we get started and uh, invite the Holy Spirit to come in and uh, be with us this morning. So if you'll bow with me, Holy Spirit, uh, we come before you this morning with one thought on our minds. God, what do you want to do uh, with us today? What do you have for us today? What do you want to show us? Holy Spirit, we do um, pray that you will come here, that you will be with us, that you will transform our minds and our hearts uh, so that we recognize our desperate need for you. Let us just attune our ears and our minds to hear what you're doing, to see what you're doing, uh, to be present with what you're doing. Heavenly Father, we trust that you have something that's good for us this morning, and we surrender our lives to that. We pray that we would be people who are willing to abandon our will for the will of you and your kingdom. And Jesus, we thank you for your sacrifice that enables us to participate with what God is doing. Thank you so much. Amen. Amen. Well, uh, it doesn't take too long um, or too much research to find an organization that inspires us, right? Uh, you know, you, you can um, look around and see a bunch of things that people are doing, the creative things, um, and, and, and get kind of geeked out and excited uh, about what people are doing. I know just this past week, um, I'm sure some of you maybe had tuned in to Apple's latest news. Anybody? Anybody? Yeah, someone did. I know that. Um, yeah, it was, it was pretty amazing to see what, what they're about to release um, and uh, with the iPhone 6 and pretty soon the, the, the Apple Watch. Um, hopefully I'll have one of those pretty soon, uh, at least in 2015. Or maybe, maybe that's not your thing. Maybe you don't really care about technology, but you dig music. And uh, then to see you 2 on stage with that same press release giving a free album uh, to people, that's pretty cool. That was exciting. Um, see, I was, I was tuned in to those events and I got really excited about it. And um, Some of us, though, when we get excited uh, about other things, things like uh, the adventures that, that people take, risking their life to make differences uh, in maybe for animals or something. Um, you know what I mean? Like, you know, you can go to SeaWorld and, and hear what um, people are doing to save the world. So you go to the Columbus Zoo, our world-famous Columbus Zoo, and uh, you look around, you read all the articles, and all of a sudden you become a conservationist. Anybody else? I, this happens for me. I, maybe I'm just highly influenced by other people, but... Um, it just happens, um, you know, and, and, or, or like when, when you turn on the TV and you hear that Sarah McLaughlin tune, um, you know, in the arms of an angel and all of a sudden you see those kittens and those puppies on the TV and you're like, oh, we need to save them. 
Uh, and then, uh, you know, like maybe your tears flow more freely like mine do whenever um, people ask you for, oh, just give the, you know, the price of a cup of coffee for a month and you can save these children over across the globe. These are good efforts and these are wonderful things and we get stirred by them. We get moved by them. We're, we're inspired by, by so many different things, wonderful things, you know. Um, great actors inspire us. Comedians inspire us. Scientists, humanitarians, musicians, artists, brilliant thinkers, authors, theologians doctors, entrepreneurs, all kinds of people um, are doing amazing things. I mean, you name it, uh, there are so many things to inspire us. And and, and quite frankly, uh, isn't this really what America is founded on? You know, the search for what drives us, for uh, what inspires us, and, and then ultimately how we can use those gifts, those things that we can do to provide for ourselves. You know, it's the American dream. Uh, this is what it's all about. The discovery uh, of what we're good at and, and then the capitalization of that gift. Life should be better and richer and fuller for everyone with opportunity for each according to ability or achievement. That's uh, James Truslow Adams who coined that phrase, American dream. And to that, I say huzzah. I'm, I'm excited about the American dream. I, I do. You know, and, but the question that I start thinking about is... You know, shouldn't the church capitalize on this as well? You know, we we can be inspiring. We we can bring about life change. We do, right? We we can launch movements and and we can do so much to make this community, this city, uh, this state, this nation a a better place. It's all around us. People who are making a difference in the little cross-section of the universe. And shouldn't we be doing that same thing too, right? Are you with me? Yeah? No? Do you disagree? It's okay if you disagree, but you shouldn't. Um, What I'm saying is, let's bring in the best thinkers and the best musicians and the best presenters. Let's let's build a nice place where people will want to come and join us as we talk about God and, and the work of the disciples that will advance the church further in our community. I mean, let, let's create the best programs for children and youth and outreach and otherwise. You know, let's be a place where people experience vital new life. I mean, are you with me, right? Yes? Yeah? Okay, Good, good. Um, uh, you know, I don't want to be a boring church. I want to be a church that's moving and shaking and proclaiming the gospel of Jesus. Doesn't that sound awesome? Yeah, there it is. That, thank you. That's what I'm looking for. Yeah, yeah. We, we all want that, I hope. And, and I think that we can do it. But, but... Sometimes I'm afraid that we rely so heavily on the gifting that we've been given and the dreams and ideas that we have and the experience and education, the hard work and the desire, uh, the will to make something great that we forget one of the most important truths um, about the church historically. Uh, See, we are nothing without the presence of God. I mean, sure, we can do great things. I see it all the time. Wonderful things uh, done that can bless the world. Dreams that can make a difference for people. But these things, because they're only done out of human will and power, they never reach their fullest potential in Christ Jesus. And, and, and I don't mean just those works that we do in his name. What, what, I'm, what I'm talking about is... is um, the fact that those are even limited because they're not utilizing the full power of God. I mean, just think about it. 
How many NGOs, uh, humanitarian organizations, are solving the needs of people, but they never reach their full potential because the leadership doesn't know how to tap into the most powerful resource in the entire universe? And then there comes along this other one that does. You know, maybe it's something like World Vision. Are you familiar with World Vision? What a what an amazing organization with surrendered leadership who are who are leaning on the power of God to solve the needs of others. World Relief is another one, or the Water Project. I mean, we see these um, NGOs, they rise to the top of that sector of relief, and, and it's obvious that their strength de- derives from an inhuman source. It's the power of God releasing itself on that gifted, surrendered leadership. What about um, family planning organizations uh, that, that want to provide resources for women who find themselves in a spot where they don't know where to turn next, Right? And that organization, it does what it can, but it's clearly not enough. And then comes along something like uh, Pregnancy, what was it name? Uh, Decision Health Center here in Columbus. And then all of a sudden, we see a turn in the tide in family planning. All of a sudden, not only is a mother cared for, but also uh, the children are cared for. And that organization grows because the leadership is trusting God with their plans. Something is different about those kinds of places. And I think a lot of times we try. We work hard to do the right things, to make the right decisions. And we use the minds that God gave us. And we use the abilities that God gave us. And we use the gifts and talents that God gave us. But sometimes that's as far as we get. You know, for for one reason or another, we choose to rely on the giftings of the man or the woman, and we don't reach our fullest potential because we're not relying on God's potential. What would the church be like if we surrendered everything that we have to him? I mean that. You know, a lot of times we say it, a lot of times we say it, but um, we're too afraid to actually do it because there's this high cost to doing things the way that God wants them done. You know, so often his way doesn't look like ours and, and we freeze up. We go back to our natural instincts and we rely on those instead. Um, after all, it, it was God's way that required his son to die on the cross for our sins. It was God's way that landed Paul and Peter and Timothy and others in jail. It, it was God's way that got Stephen stoned. You know, this is, this is how the church started. So, are we sure that we want to lead our church God's way? I mean, you know, what is that going to look like for us? It's a, it's a valid question, right? For the early church, it meant mixing cultures that, that really didn't like each other. It meant breaking down barriers of separation that were comfortable. It meant challenging the norms. So what would that look like for us, for Quest? Are we sure that's what we want I'm I'm not sure. I I think probably yes. But I do know this, that if we choose to surrender to God, then we will not have a boring church. See, I believe in the church. I believe that the church is the single greatest movement to ever happen in this world. And, And I know that the apostles, those first men and women who led with great strength, wisdom and knowledge, uh, and superior work ethic were able to accomplish what they did because they surrendered their dreams for God's. They had one singular focus, the kingdom of God. Everything else, everything else came after that. 
And because of that focus, because of their surrender, because of their commitment, so many wonderful things have been done to bring about the kingdom of God through the church. People have been inspired in ways that no earthly movement could inspire them. Lives have been changed in ways that no man could ever do on his own without God. Miraculous things have taken place because of God's release. Now, you may wonder uh, how these men or women were able to do this. And if you're bought into the idea of the church being a conduit for the power of God, uh, then you might be saying, okay, Jeremy, it's time. Get to the point. Tell us what you know. Tell us what you're thinking. Uh, tell us because we want to know. And, and I'm going to tell you, it's actually pretty simple. Um, but I can't say it any better than Jesus did. So I want you to turn with me in your Bibles. If you have one, open it up to Matthew chapter 6. If you don't um, and you want one, uh, then I'm, the ushers are actually going to come by. Raise your hand high, and um, they'll actually give you a Bible you can take home. This is, this is one of those things, um, like when I'm talking about the Bible, I want you to underline these verses. I want you to highlight them. I want you to take notes in your Bible. So um, these Bibles that you're being handed, you can take them home with you. Um, you can consider your personal Bible. This is a gift to you from us. So um, we're going to be in uh, Matthew chapter 6, verses 24 and through 34. The words will be on the screen too, but that honestly is just a poor substitute for the Word of God in your hands. So it doesn't matter if it's paper or on your electronic device, just make sure you turn there. Okay, so we're going to read these verses together. now, I do want to point out to verse 24, you'll notice in your Bible, it doesn't actually connect to the other, um, like in your, it might be separated from the other text. I'm including this today because I believe Jesus is trying to connect two thoughts together in Matthew 6, 24 and 25. So here, let's read these verses together. Verse 24, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Now, I want to stop here just for one moment. Um, I want to reiterate just what Jesus is saying here. Simply put, Jesus is saying you either put God first or something else. In this case, he's talking about money. It's either God first or it's money first, okay? And, 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 um, and, and what Jesus does is he supposes uh, that the listeners recognize that it's far more important to love God than money. And so he answers the, I'm sure, questions that all of the hearers and disciples who were listening to him were thinking, you know, how am I going to get, um, you know, food? How am I going to get uh, water? How am I going to pay for clothes if I'm putting God first and not money? And then Jesus basically says, well, don't worry about it because God is worrying about it. Okay? So that's what he's telling us. Now let's continue. Verse 26. He says, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore... 
Do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But instead, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Now today, I want to put a microscope over three things here um, that Jesus says. The focus this morning really is going to be on verse 33. So if you have a pen, just go ahead and start underlining it and um, take some notes here. So verse 33 again is, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. Now this is, this is, this is an important statement. It's full. It's, it's just, it's complex. And, um, and, and I've heard it for as long as I can remember because this lady in 1974, Karen Lafferty, wrote a song about it. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Um, right, no? No one? Okay, it's in Maranatha. Yes, thank you. <laughs> I'm not going to sing it this morning. You don't want me to. Um, besides, that would be a distraction um, from what's really important here, um, which is, how in the world do we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, right? I mean, that's what Jesus is saying. When I read this passage and I suffer from anxiety, performance anxiety uh, specifically, uh, you know, if, if I don't perform well and I fell, then how am I going to provide for my family? Just ask Dusty this morning. I was like sick before. I was like, oh, I can't get up there. I'm so nervous. Um, so I, I, mean, I get pretty antsy uh, uh, wanting to know how in the world we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness because I don't want to be anxious anymore. I don't know about you, but this is really important to me. And, and so I'm just saying, come on, Jesus, give us just a little bit more insight here. You know what I mean, right? Tell us more. I want to know. So, so how do we seek this? Well, maybe first I think it's important for us to um, think about what we're seeking. What is it that we are seeking? And, and just a little aside here, um, I, I went ahead and, and just looked up the word seek in the dictionary because, um, I don't know, I thought it'd be good to. And, uh, and I, learned, I learned something, and, and uh, probably the hunters in the room may already know this, but this was new to me. Um, and if you've ever been fishing with me, then you'll understand why this was new to me. But when we seek something out, it's not just just searching for or looking for something. It, there's actually this, this part that is about acquiring, about acquisition and, and capturing. And, um, and, you know, for me, when I go fishing, I can get fish on the end of my line, but it's really hard for me to get them into my boat, you know, and it's true. And, and so, um, you know, we're talking about the acquisition, the capturing of the kingdom of God and God's righteousness, so, so what are we acquiring? Let's, let's, let's kind of break down these words. We're going to start with the word righteousness. This word is only used seven times in the Gospel of Matthew, four of which are actually found in the sermon that we're reading from. Okay, so, so righteousness, um, as used by Jesus here, is really a word of action. To Jesus, it was a way of life, a norm by which a man's behavior is judged by God. A man is judged righteous because of how he acts based on his faith in God. So, so Jesus is calling his hearers to capture, to, to live out actions that are righteous. He's saying act righteously. And I love the emphasis here on action. And this is, this is really uh, what we're talking about, right? You know, we can either do things in our own strength or we can do it in God's strength, his way. 
And how do we do that? Well, it's all about then the kingdom of God. God's kingdom, the place where he rules and where he reigns, a place that is both here when we fall under his authority and we live out righteous lives, um, and it's also a place that's not quite yet here. Some of you understand what I mean, and, and um, what I'm talking about with the not yet is it's when God returns and, and the, the old and broken things that we live around right now and we experience where all of that stuff is made new. It's a kingdom with no tears or death, but instead life and life abundantly. God's kingship means that, that God's people live under the rule of God. Now, the phrase kingdom of God is very significant here. It is interchangeable with, you, with kingdom of heaven. I'm sure you guys have heard that. In Matthew, um, the gospel of Matthew, kingdom of heaven is used all over the place. But Jesus changes from that language of kingdom of heaven, and he changes it to kingdom of God. And he does it appropriately so that we can understand how approachable and how present God is is with the people that are a part of his kingdom. Here, let me, let me demonstrate this by reading a passage of scripture um, that's the same sermon. It follows closely after uh, um, chapter 6, verse 33. It's Matthew 7, 7 through 11, and it reads this way. And I want you to note the similar language uh, that is used here. Verse 7, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open for you, open to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask, who ask him? See, Jesus is using an, an a priori argument. This is that the disciples and the hearers, they don't need to do any research to understand what Jesus is talking about. They have their already previous experience. They are fathers, and they know that they wouldn't give their son a snake if they asked for a fish. They know that they wouldn't give their son a stone if he asked for bread. And so he's basically saying, you guys aren't great. You're fathers and you still love your sons that way, but the heavenly father who is perfect, don't you think he's going to bless you with even more, even better? God's going to give you what you want, what you ask for, what you need. And when your son calls out your name, this is such an amazing picture, I think. Uh, when your son calls out your name and he pulls on your cloak for your attention, don't you pick your son up and you listen to him? Of course you do, fathers. So what do you think God's going to do? He's going to listen to you when you call out to him. But to have his attention, you've got to be in his kingdom. And to be in his kingdom, you have to be under his kingship. But when you're there, oh, how good it is. Oh, how sweet, right? The kingdom of God, the place where God the Father, the creator of the universe, cares for us, listens to us, and provides for us. See, Jesus changed from this kingdom of heaven to kingdom of God language to show that the person of God is someone that we are able to be close to. Okay, 
So far, we've seen that God's righteousness is an action. It's a lifestyle. It comes out of the overflow of our surrender to the authority of the king and his kingdom. It's a surrender that comes with great reward, you know, because we have an ear to the king. And not just as his constituent, but as his son or his daughter. That's powerful. A son or daughter who is loved and cared for by the king. There's no greater position for us. So, so then why do we get pulled away from his righteousness and his kingdom? I think it's because of the nature of the, the now and the not yet of God's kingdom. You know, we feel the goodness of God and we experience a, a much fuller understanding of that when, when he returns. Uh, but this tension that we live in between this now and not yet part of the kingdom, it distracts us from the goodness of God. It can cause us to drift away from him and begin to rely on our own ability to get us through. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? I know I experience this all the time. We want to provide for ourselves because we're afraid that that God isn't going to be there or he's not near or our prayers don't make it past the ceiling or whatever it is. Even though he promises us, we're afraid. We rely on ourselves and that's when anxiety creeps back in. And there's no amount of medication that can heal our worry. Nothing as strong as understanding how to keep our minds on God and his kingdom. And Jesus knew this. You see, what we miss in in our particular English translations of this text is, is sort of lost in the language. Seeking, as Jesus talked about, was not only an imperative, which we get, seek first the kingdom of God. It's just we have to do it. That's the law. That's the rule. Um, but there's also this other part of the language that's important for us to understand. It, it, the seeking comes with this constant preoccupation. That is, uh, for us to tap into the resources of God and his kingdom, then we need to be constantly preoccupied with him. Never ending. That, that means always, not, not just on Sundays or Wednesdays or whenever we think about, uh, oh yeah, Jesus, no. No, it's constantly preoccupied. Every day, every moment, right now, right here and now. And let's read Matthew 6.33 again, and then I'm going to add on verse 34. Because this is really cool. But seek first. That is, be constantly preoccupied with the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all of these things will be added unto you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow. Because you are right now preoccupied with the kingdom of God. For tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the days its own trouble. Don't worry about tomorrow, Jesus says. With the implication, stay focused on today. Stay focused on the here and now. This is what I call the present preoccupation with the kingdom of God. This is what Jesus is telling us to do. See, if we are present and preoccupied with him and with the things of God, then our focus is on him and what he can do. If if we have a worry in this moment, if we have an issue in this moment and we're preoccupied with the Father God, then we can reach out and we can pull on his robe and and we can call out his name, Abba, Father, and he will hear us. He will, he will listen to us. We can ask him for whatever we need. This is what God wants from us. See, this is how we move into a position of good to great, by God's power, by his presence, by his work, and by our surrender. It's a present preoccupation with the kingdom of God, with the things of God, with God 
himself. And this opens us up to a world that is surreal, that's full of surprises and miracles, that's no longer boring. See, this is it. We can do the work of our dreams on our own, or we can be present and preoccupied with God and His works and wonders, and we can submit all of our stuff to Him. Now, I don't know where you are this morning. I don't know what's going on in your life, what things that you're thinking about, what things you're worried about. I can't know those kinds of things because I'm only human. But here's the truth. God knows those things. He knows what you're anxious about. He knows what you're worried about. He knows what you're dealing with. He knows who you're angry with. He knows those kinds of things. He knows the pain. He knows the need for healing. He knows the desire of your heart. God knows. And and, and here's the cool thing is that right here in this moment, if you are presently preoccupied with God, then you can submit those things to him. You can say, God, I need you right here, right now. Yes, amen is right. You see, we have access to the God of the universe. We have access to the King. He holds the riches of the kingdom in His hand. And and all we have to do is seek Him first. All we have to do is seek His goodness and seek His mercy and seek His healing and seek His restoration. And He will provide it for us. He says, I will give you all that you need. And and so we're going to do something a little different this morning. Usually we kind of end the sermon and we go into some worship. No, I want to do something different. I want us to take advantage of this moment with God. If you're serious about leaving the boring church behind, and by the way, when I say church, I don't mean the walls of this building and the ceiling and the roof that squeaks and leaks and does all kinds of other stuff. I'm not talking about the bricks and mortar. When I'm talking about the church, I'm talking about you and me, those of us who are the followers of God. We are the church, okay? So if, if we're not presently preoccupied with God, then we, the church, are boring. <laughs> I'm sorry, but that's just the way it is. We are boring if we are not preoccupied with Him. So if you are here this morning and, and, and you want to reach out to God, you want to tug on His cloak, you want to, you want to see what He has for you, then I want to challenge you to be present with Him right here, right now. This is a risky thing. I understand it. It, it means that if, if God is even nudging you right now, if you feel or you sense or you experience His presence, just the Holy Spirit just bubbling up inside of you, I want you to be presently preoccupied to that moment. And I want you to, to surrender what it is you have for Him. I, I don't know what that means. But I want you to take care of that spiritual business that you need to take care of. That means maybe you need to seek out prayer. Maybe it means you need to fall on your face or you need to sit in the lap of God, um, figuratively speaking. I, I don't know what you need, but God does. And I want you to ask him right here in this moment. Ask him to heal you, to restore you, to provide companionship, to, to be with you. Just surrender yourself to him. And that may mean that you have to get out of your seat and you've got to find someone to pray with you. That's fine. We're going to have people who can pray for you. We've got pastors, we've got elders, we've got folks who can pray for you. Maybe it's someone you need to go to and you need to talk to and you say, ah, you know what's going on in my life. Pray for me. I want you to seek it out. Maybe it means that you need to come forward in an act of submission to God and fall on your face before him. Turn this place into an altar before God and surrender to him physically. It doesn't matter. 
Just get present with God. And I know that there are some of you here this morning, and when you hear me say these kinds of things, you're like, whoa, this is way out of bounds for me. I'm not there. I'm not ready. And that's okay. That's okay. We're gonna, the band's going to play some music, and we're going to sing songs. There's going to be words on the screen, so you can just kind of focus on that. Watch what God is doing, and, and just kind of, you know, it's, it's cool. Whatever you need. I don't want to um, pressure you to do something that you're not ready to do, but if God is nudging you, if the Holy Spirit is moving in you, and you know what it means to be presently preoccupied with Him, then I want you to step into that place. So I'm going to pray for us in a minute. And as I pray, I want you just to to be asking God this. How do I be presently preoccupied with you, God, right in this moment? What is it that you have for me right in this moment that I need? Just ask God that. Surrender to Him. Let this moment be about you and Him. No one else in the room, just you and Him. And however He leads you, however He guides you, just surrender to that. Submit to that. Come, Holy Spirit, we invite you into this place. We know that you're here, but we invite you to come to speak to us, to show us what you want, God, for us. Let us be participants this morning with you, God. Let us be willing to get risky, be, to be willing to be present with you, God. Come, Holy Spirit, we ask. Come, Holy Spirit. Amen. We're going to continue to worship here in a minute, um, but I just want to say a couple of things. See, the, the, the power source of the church is really God, right? You know, we have gifts that he's given to us. We have talents that he's given to us. But, but it's when we rely on his power that we are able to, to be the kind of church that he's calling us to be. Now, we are gathered here, what I love about the church. We are gathered here to be encouraged. We're gathered here to be taught. We're, we're gathered here to be prepared so that we can then go and be scattered. We are gathered to scatter. And we don't stop being the church once we leave these doors and we go out into our community. No, we're still the church when we go into those place, places. And what I want to challenge you with today is that you would continually be presently preoccupied with God. Not only here when we are gathered, but also when we go and when we are scattered. Our individual gifts and talents are magnified when we are present with God. At the office, at our home when we're driving, when we're eating dinner out, wherever we are, our call is to be presently preoccupied with God. And where we are, our needs are going to be met by God. So we don't have to worry um, even if, if what God is presently doing is awkward or different. It may be risky, but God will provide for us even in that moment. 
So in your relationships, there may be moments as you're present with God that you realize that God wants to do something through you right there in that moment with that person. And I want to challenge you to be ready to do that quest. I want to challenge you to be ready to be the church in that moment for those those folks. See, when I think about it, our children's ministry, our youth ministry, these are just opportunities for us to be presently preoccupied with God in the lives of children and youth. And we're teaching our kids to, to seek the kingdom of God and to be present with him as well. And, and, and just some other stuff that's going on. When you hear Ross talking about the partnerships with organizations in the community that we have, like WARM, or, or like the Project 29-7 uh, at Hawthorne uh, Elementary or, or Quest Care. These are places where we want to create a union, an intersection uh, between the church, that is us, the present preoccupation that we have with God. We want to create an intersection between that and the world outside. See, that intersection is a powerful place. It's, it's the place where miracles can take place. And so we leave this gathering with, with, um, this gathering point and we bring our preoccupation with the kingdom into the lives of the people of the world who need to know that there is a king there that wants to provide for them who need to know that there is a kingdom that they can participate in where their needs will be met you see we get to be networkers for god we get to introduce people to the god of the universe to the most powerful resource you know, we, we talk about the five people all the time. Who are your five people? And uh, we talk about that because we believe that, that what we have here, what we know about, because we gather and we talk about who God is, we know that those five people need that same thing. They need God just as much as we do. And so the challenge I have for you today is, um, yes, we gather and we get to be presently preoccupied with him and we're going to continue to worship him. And, and I encourage you to do that. But also, as you leave this place, remember that you are the church and that you are bringing the power of God into the community that you get to participate with. Does that make sense? Be the church in the world. Be presently preoccupied wherever you go and introduce the community to this wonderful kingdom of God that we get to participate in because of Jesus Christ. Let's continue to worship him, church, okay? Thank you for listening. Join us at Quest as we walk with one another in friendship while discovering the reality and goodness of God together. For more information and service times, visit us online at go to quest.org.